Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. It's easy to question a lot of things about our experiences with God, our relationship with God. Does God does God really come through? Does God actually answer prayers? Is He really who He says He is? In that, in that waiting time when God doesn't answer at all, at all, you pray, you beg, you beg, you plead, you fast. You do all of the things. You give ultimatums. We've done that one. God, if you don't change this, I'm doing this. You can deal with that however you want to, Jesus. But that's where I am. And um, as I was praying, I began to see Job. And I, I know people compare themselves to Job all the time. But what struck me was Job, a lot of times... We, we focus on what Job went through and that it was a test of something. Um, tested his commitment, tested his devotion, and we think of Job like he had some kind of supernatural insight to what was going on in his life. But his test was actually for a, a specific purpose. In Job 1, chapter 6, I'm sorry, Job 1, verse 6, we see what the purpose was. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where do you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Has you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Just don't lay a hand on him. And then we know that God told him later that he could actually go and, and smite him however he wanted to. Just don't kill him. He unleashed Satan on Job. But the purpose was not to test Job's commitment or his devotion. There was a purpose specifically because God isn't a mean God. He would never turn Satan loose on us if there wasn't something in it for me. There was a purpose behind it for Job, and it was to prove what the accuser was saying was wrong. What was the accuser saying? That Job's motivations for serving God were not pure. Of course, we all love to serve God when we're happy, healthy, and wealthy. Of course we do. If all our whole life's experiences was glory to glory to glory... We only got fatter and richer and happier and more children and more houses and more lands and more cars and the best of everything. 
Who in their right mind would backslide? No one. Who would leave God? But are our motivations pure in that? And so a shaking comes. The Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But what cannot be shaken are the things of purity in our lives. When our motivations are pure, we can't be shaken. If my motivation is not pure, if my motivation is anything besides I serve God because He is God. And He loves me. And He died for me. And I love Him. And He never has to do another thing for me. I can be sick. I can be tired. I can die. I can be broke. I'm still going to serve God. Then our motive, that He has, that not only does God know our motivations are pure, but I know that my motivations are pure. Job, at the end of his story, knew that his motivations were right. We know because he told God over and over and over again while he was complaining. The same way we handle the similar situations. God, what's wrong? Is there something wrong in me? There is nothing wrong in me. I'm not doing anything wrong. God, I serve you. I pray. I do all the things. I fast. I do all I'm supposed to do. I'm at the church every time the doors are open. I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm right before you. And this isn't fair and it's not right and it's not just. But the one thing that I love about Joe, because I experienced, I experienced it that night last week. Because when all of a sudden I, I heard that voice again. Because Job had gone for a long time. God never responded. He had a relationship with God. God always spoke to him. But God had withdrew, withdrawn himself. And when I heard his voice, when Job heard his voice, he didn't want an explanation anymore. He said, oh my God, you spoke. You spoke, you spoke, you spoke. That's enough for me. That is enough for me. God, you spoke. I'm connected with you again. I don't care what I lost. I don't care what I've been through. I don't care the reason that I've been through it because I have you again. I can feel you again. I'm connected with you again. You spoke to me again. Your, your speaking, was hard. His speaking was harsh against Job. It can be harsh. I don't even care. That's how you know that your motivation is right and pure because who cares? I don't even care what you say. Get on to me. Say something to me. But when I hear your voice, my God, when I hear your voice and I know that you have noticed me, you haven't forgotten me. God, when I hear your voice, my God, I don't care. I don't care what I went through to get there. I don't care what, I, what I've endured. I don't care the situation and the circumstances that I found myself sitting in until now, God. But I heard your voice. Yes, God. But in that moment, when the purity of Job was totally manifested, because it comes to an end. They, it comes to an end. The, the trials, the times, they come to an end. When it had come to an end... God restored back to Job everything. God never gave him an explanation because when we hear him and we know him and we walk with him, I don't, I don't care. I don't need an explanation because I love him. And now that I have him, 
don't care how he got here. I have him. And it's during these times, you know, when the rubber meets the road that we find out. Am I serving God out of obligation? Am I serving him out of guilt? Am I serving him out of duty? Am I serving him out of peer pressure from family or friends? Am I ser- what am I serving God out of? Is, is it so that I feel like I have a decent conscience when I wake up in the morning, when I do the other things that I want to do during the week? What am I serving God for? Is it because yeah, he blesses me financially? What is it? What is it that I'm serving God for? And what we find is that all of those other reasons don't hold up. But when I've been through it, and I can say, though he slay me, still I will follow. Then we know what's right. We know what's right in us. In uh, Job 20.15, we have a promise from God that he's going to make the enemy vomit back up the riches that he had stolen from us. And God, he spoke to me as clear as anything I've ever heard that night. And he said that this season that I am in and that we are in, because it was to me and for the church, of I'm just calling it a season of withholding, a season of silence, a season of I don't know what in the world's going on. That season is over with. And when that season is over with, and it is over with for Freedom Ministries. When that season is over with, then he causes the enemy to give back to me everything that he allowed the enemy to take from me during that time. So Job got back double. Thank you, Jesus. He says that when you have been in shame, you get back double the honor. When you've been in poverty because of me, because of your service and your faithfulness to me, you get back double the prosperity. And I'm going to add some more in. When you're stressed out and depressed and all those things, then you get back double the peace and the joy. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, Oloboshanda Basande. In Joel 2.25 it says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust. Because God sent all these things one by one. Is that Because I'm just going to tell you all, that is what 2017 felt like to me. He sent the swarming locust. And I said, God, that was rough. Okay, it's done. And then the crawling locust came. And I said, my God in heaven. He ate it all. And then the chewing locust came and ate up everything that the consuming locusts left the great army that he sent among us he says but now you will eat in plenty and you will be satisfied and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you 
and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. And he says it again. My people shall never be put to shame. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I got up from there and I said, that's, I said, that's good. Because now I'm coming back after everything that was stolen from me. Everything that those locusts, the, all the different kind of locusts, the canker worm, the swarming locusts, the chewing locusts, the consuming locusts, everything that was taken from me as I stood. Because now... When we emerge on the other side, we are victorious. So who gets the spoils of the war? The victors get the spoils of the war. So I'm taking back everything because he called it an army. The army that came in among us and wreaked havoc. Now I get to take back everything that that army stole from me. God's restoring love. Love. Because when we're in those times and you and you stay in and you're just standing, you forget you forget that you're in love with God. You just it's just I'm I'm faithful to him. I'm faithful to God. I'm gonna come into work prayer and I'm gonna say, I love you, Jesus. I'm gonna sing I love you, Lord, all day long. Because like David, he said, Why are you cast down, oh my soul? You will praise the Lord your God didn't feel a lick of it but he said you're going to do it and so I made myself I come into prayer I love you Lord I love you Lord I lift my voice hallelujah hallelujah (laughs) but he's restoring love and I and I believe also he's restoring his love to us we see in the in Israel in times where God withheld his love he said I don't love you anymore But if, if you can stand on my promises, you can stand on my instructions, I'm going to return to you again. I'm, hallelujah, I'm going to return to you again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you that you are returning to your people. Thank you that you are returning to your treasure. Hey, la bosanda la bacande, ribosanda la bacande. Shende le bo, rimasanda la bacande, bosondo la boco to say. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. <laughs> so, whether or not we take on the mentality of a victor, is up to us at this point. I can say this was too hard and I'm and I'm done. Or I can recognize the season has passed. And now it's time to go back and get all that I was lost. Um, the word of God came forth several weeks ago before Christmas um, that it was time to rebuild. So, I've said it before, my vision for Freedom Ministries in this season is that 
we rebuild the core with the next generation of who the core should be. And the anointing's already on that tonight. You can see the it that that mantle being imparted. Not past yet, but soon. Because it's time for our generation to rise up and carry the vision. And I've talked with most of my generation. They all say yes, which we know is 100% of the anointing that comes on you is just because you say yes. 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 Elder Barber said yes to the drums, but she's awesome too, isn't she? She said yes. Said yes. You are awesome. It's awesome. So. Um, I saw in prayer today because there's a correlation that's drawn between, now y'all will have to forgive me, I flip-flop calling our generation um, me with the older people and our generation me with the younger people because I came in with y'all. Y'all, you know, um, tomorrow is our, I believe tomorrow is our 20th anniversary. Yeah. Is that awesome? I think, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Pastor Pinson took over January the 11th, I think. Sister Julie may correct me if I'm wrong, but it's right around now of 1998. Um, I know I joined the ministry on Easter Sunday of 1998. Um, and so I've, I've been around. Um, I've been around with the old people and with the, <laughs> and with the young people. And as I learned at the ramp that I'm actually old. I qualify for preferred old people seating. And so... Uh, um, Somebody asked me how it was. I said, I'll tell you how it was. It's comfortable. <laughs> Wasn't it comfortable? Michelle sat with me when the old people sees it. was comfortable. It was so much better than sitting on that floor with the young people. I said, I've, I said, I've never been happier to be called old. <laughs> um, so... We, when we came in, and we've, because we've had, the, I've heard this conversation at prayer a lot of times. We, we bonded and formed relationships in the prayer. We were always in the prayer together. And I've, and I've, um, and I have wrongly attempted to shoehorn my generation into the same experience that we had when we joined the ministry. Because I thought it was right, because it was the way I did it and the way we all did it, and it was wonderful and glorious. And so it has to be right. <laughs> And, and I saw in prayer today, we were actually praying, and, and I saw that the experiences that brought us all together were incredibly different than the generation we're talking about now. All of us had come out of religion, like dead religion, or sin. Either way, we were so hungry, so I'm not talking about, oh, I'm hungry for a mighty move of God. I'm talking about we were desperate because we had tasted something that we had thought had to have existed our whole life, but we had never seen it. We, it was like a unicorn in the forest. Like it, We weren't sure if it even existed. And we had found it. And so you, 
And it was like I had to get all of the, la of the lack of experiences of the first 18 years of however old you were when you came of my life. I had to get it and make up for it all because I was here and I had found it and it was wonderful. Somebody taught me how to be free. Somebody taught me that you didn't have to come and sit on a church pew and just be satisfied with whatever they decided to get up and do stupid that day. And tell me to deal with it when I wanted more. Tell me we're not doing all that crazy stuff when I said I didn't, but I, but I loved it. I loved it when God showed up but he's not going to show up every service. But why not? Why? That doesn't make any sense. Does he not want to be here with me? And I came somewhere where I found out he could show up every service. He showed up every prayer time. I had no idea. None of us had any idea how to get into the presence of God. We came and we did whatever Pastor Pinson told us to do because she knew how and we learned. But our younger generation has had an incredibly different experience than us because they didn't grow up the way we grew up. They didn't grow up in death and religion. They grew up in the place that we looked our whole lives to find. And so there's a different kind of hunger that gets birthed on in, in our generation that is rising up right now. And so God showed me it's, it's I can't, sh we as a body, we can't shoehorn the younger generation into the same experience that we had because they don't need that experience, first of all. Do you know, it took us a good eight years to get all of the stupid, messed up, selfish. And I bet for, what, six years all we did was lay on these altars and cry, God, take self out of me, deliver self, deliver me from self, take self out of me, take self off the throne. I, we put every word you could put behind self Every week we do a different one. Self-control, self-doubt, self-intimidation, self-ish, self on the throne, self-in-charge. We did every we put something behind self every week. Amen. But and we we because we talk about it with our mouths, how marvelous it is to grow up in a in a thing and be taught. Since Julie teaches kids how to be free in, in children's church. You know, most of our young adults actually were taught by Sister Julie in children's church how to be free. And in youth, taught to be free. And so they grow up, they already know how to be free. There has to be a something that gets inside of them that burns for the next thing that God's taken us to. Because that's actually, as much as we hated religion, that is religion. Because I'm trying to push somebody into the same old experience that I had because it worked for me. Not asking God what's supposed to work for Robbie, what's supposed to work for Josh. Where, how do they rise up and take their thing? Their lot, their inheritance, their destiny. Wasn't the way the rest of us did. And thank God because we blazed those trails already. Why would we want our, our, our next generation to fight through the same things we fought through? They build on the backs of what we have done, hopefully. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Hopefully. 
So it takes, it will take new to bring in the next generation. And I honestly, in my spirit, the only ones I believe that can bring in the new that it's going to take to bring in the next generation, the next core of Freedom Ministries are, is the next generation. Because any, Karen Wheaton taught me that anybody can birth new. Because if God can use a um, middle-aged, southern, gospel-singing white woman to reach teenagers who hate southern gospel music and middle-aged, sweet church lady white women with their church lady hair, you know, nothing cool and hip about Karen Wheaton, then, then God can birth new out of anybody, but... He's going to use this generation to bring in the next wave, the, the new rebuilding phase and core of what Freedom Ministries is going to be. And he's given me a few strategies, and I just want to share them with y'all. Um, one, and I'm going to borrow the word that Sister Rhonda shared with me because I was he was birthing it in me, and Sister Rhonda showed up, and she said, God spoke a word to me for 2018 togetherness. I said, that's the word. Togetherness. Togetherness. Amen. So the same relationships and bonds have to be built amongst our younger generation, but they're going to be built in a different way than the way we built ours. Uh, but we're going to Focus on rebuilding relationships, spending time at each other's houses. I was actually talking to Sister Monica, and I was going to talk to her about this, about on Friday nights, not every Friday night, but some Friday nights, once a month or so, having a, um, a thing for freedom, the people, freedom recovery people at her home. Just invite them to your house, because we're not going to have it on the Friday nights anymore. And so, and she came up to me right before church. She said, I was thinking about just having it at my house on Friday night, or not at your house, but somewhere, doing something fun every once in a while, once a month or so. And I said, that's perfect because the, that's what the anointing is on this year, is us just being together. I actually like most of y'all. <laughs> I like all of y'all. I like all of y'all. I love y'all. And I, and I like all of you. So... I, I enjoy spending time with all of y'all, and uh, and so and so we're gonna and I and as and over the next few weeks we'll we'll start announcing some things, but we're gonna we're just gonna start spending some more time together. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Some time together. I was at um, I was at uh, at the ramp this time. They split people up into men and women's meetings um, for the first time to my knowledge, that they've ever done it. Um, it was really good. And I think in the women's meeting, they talked about the same thing as the men's meeting. But what they were saying in the men's meeting was, you have to have, um, they called it a brotherhood. Micah Wood, who's the pastor of the Ramp Church, said he hates the word accountability partner because, and these are his words, um, all accountability partners do is they show up, they talk to each other at their designated time, and they say, man, I I sinned again this week, and the other one says, yeah, man, me too. Man. Bummer. 
and everybody goes back home. But when you've built um, actual, real relationships with people, then you have relationships with people that are that recognize when it's not all right with you, and they ask you things like, "What's your thought life like?" And and I was sitting there, I was like, "Oh, that sounds that sounds so wonderful." And he was sharing about how he um, went into. Uh, Karen Wheaton's son-in-law's office, who is his best friend, I guess, and he was in there, and he was, and he was just kind of hanging around, and finally he just blurted out, he said, "Man, I guess I think I'm just jealous. I'm just, I'm just jealous because this one over here, everybody talks about how great he preaches, and they go on and on and on about it, and and nobody ever says anything about my messages." ever and I'm just mad about it I don't know what he has that I don't have and he said and as it came out of my mouth I said I can't believe that's what's in me that's horrible and he and he could repent and get it out and and I said oh but we do have that we have that at prayer we get all the ugly out at prayer we get all of that out at prayer and so we're not coming off of prayer because we have that already we need to build some relationships in addition to our prayer. Amen? Amen. The second thing that we are um, going to rebuild with is prayer. It's easy. Mark 14, 38 says, Jesus told them, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So we are going to continue never coming off of prayer and praying together and Jesus gave us the secret here is that you pray before you're in trouble you pray before you are being tempted you pray before you are confused and don't know what the will of God is one way or another and now that everything's swirling around me I can't tell what's right and what's wrong you pray before that and you never fall into temptation into the state of being tempted isn't that wonderful? I pray beforehand that I never have to fall into the state of being confused and not knowing what's God's will and what His will, what His will is and isn't. There was a um, man named James Alateran who who preached there, and uh, he was in the men's meeting and was and was sharing about how God set him free from some sin issues in his life. And he said he sought God over it for years. And, uh, and finally God spoke to him one day. And he said, go confess to your father all of your shameful secrets. And you'll be free. And he said, oh God, <laughs> anything but that. But he did it anyway. And his dad said something to him. He said, that's good, son. It's good, to, it's, it's good to confess. But next time, come to me before you fall into temptation. And he just kind of looked at him. He said, next time, come when there's thoughts that you don't totally have control over. Come to me then, and I can help you. Amen. Not get back into sin. And that is why we pray. We, we see people, you know, if, you, if you're a, a person at prayer regularly, you know 
there's ones that come in, they'll come in for a few weeks, they get their breakthrough, and they're out again for a few months until they need another breakthrough again. But what if we never got into the state of needing a breakthrough like that? I mean, you know what I mean. We all need a breakthrough every day. But what if we never got into the state where everything was horrible and wrong and I have to go out and, and really get into deep prayer over something? I'm just living in the breakthrough. Prayer together. There's not, that is our purpose in our ministry and we'll never compromise on the purpose. Um, he said, uh, I think I said this Sunday too, that Without a purpose and understanding your purpose, it's impossible to maintain purity. It's impossible to maintain holiness. Because if I'm maintaining purity and holiness just for the sake of being pure and holy, I'm going to give up Amen. and quit in these hard times that many of us have just been through. I'm going to quit because I don't understand. I can't really discern the cost of giving up on purity and holiness in that moment. That's why, I was telling someone today, I, I love recovery programs in general, but I hate the way they're run many times. Because the focus is on getting clean so that you can be clean. I was telling Elder Barber today, what if we put purpose in them from the first time that they came into the recovery program? What if we begin to speak purpose into their life so that when, when temptation comes, because it will come, when temptation comes, when weakness comes, when I want to go back to it comes, when the desires come to go back into drug addiction, to go back into pornography addiction, to go back into alcohol, or cigarettes, or uh, relationships, or whatever I came out of that I, that I gave up for God, that I'm running after God with, when those temptations come, just saying I'm clean, just saying I'm good, isn't enough. Many times, I have to understand that when I give up this, when I, give, when I give into this, I'm giving up the ability to be used by God in my purpose in this period of my life. I'm giving it up. There's a cost with that. There's a cost to me. There's a cost in my walk with God and relationship with God. There's also a cost to the people that I could touch during this time. We can't sustain our glory without understanding the purpose of cuz it's not worth it to go after the glory just to say we got the glory into the service it's too difficult we just have regular church but when we understand the purpose of going after the glory so that people can leave here and not deal with the same things they came in dealing with that we can leave and be we can come in here and be healed and go out and stay healed when I can come in not sure if I want to serve God and go out on fire for God, then Amen. we understand the purpose of the glory and we'll do whatever it takes to get it. The final thing that we're going to rebuild with is the Word. 
I shared with the teenagers before we left the importance, how detrimental it is actually if we build our relationship with God on big experiences with Him. And that's easy to condemn whenever we're talking about like a two-time-a-year ramp trip, but it's real easy to fall into whenever we get into the glory every single service. And I can live from one emotional big experience to the next emotional big experience and not actually (coughs) build a solid foundation with God because when the enemy comes and starts messing with my mind, if I don't have something firm to stand on, he's going to take me out. He will take me out so fast. We've seen it happen to people who have built a relation, a, their, their relationship with Jesus around big emotional experiences. All they talk about is how they feel God one time to the next. What happens when I don't feel him? Because we all don't feel him. I went through a year without feeling him. God, help us. What do you do then? What do you have to stand on? You quit if that's all you have. So how many, how often do we feed our physical bodies? At least three times a day, right? At least. I feed my physical body. They asked a question at, at the ram. They said, how often do you feed your spiritual body? How often do you feed your spirit? For many of us, it's once or twice a week. So when a battle, when my flesh begins to wage war against my spirit and cause a battle in me, which one's going to win? The one I fed more because it's stronger and bigger. If I feed my flesh more than I feed my spirit, I feed it with not just with food, but with Netflix and with binge watching and with laying around on the couch and with video games and with um, even time with my family. Anything that makes me feel good in my flesh, and that's what I give to it all the time, and I come in and I feed my spirit on Sunday mornings and occasionally Wednesday nights, then when the battle rages against my spirit and Satan wants to take me out and my flesh is all in agreement with the devil, I'm in a bad situation. But if I starve my flesh and I feed my spirit... When puny little old flesh comes along and tries to wage battle against my spirit, he is so outmatched, it's hopeless. So we have to feed our spirit. How do we, we feed our spirit with prayer and with the word? And if our foundation, or the foundation of our relationship with Jesus is built on anything less, then, then we will fall. Amen. So we are in a time of rebuilding. And there's so much anointing that our older generation has paid the price for that that I want to see imparted into our younger generation. And so we are going to, amen, we are going to answer the call. Yes, we are going to, to answer the call and receive and rise up 
And we're all going to join together in togetherness this year because it is important. It's important for us to be together. We have been, we have had our time spread out. It's important for us to be together and build relationships and know when my brother or sister is struggling and to, to like you enough that I feel comfortable going up into you and saying what, like even something as simple as what Michael Wood said to Samuel Bentley, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of this other preacher because they like him better than me and it makes me hate him. Let's deal with the real. It makes me hate him. And so that's where I am. And I need to be set free. We're going to rebuild in prayer. Praying in this next generation. Lifting up our generation that's here. And, and joining together and praying over this ministry and over this vision. And building it back up in prayer. And we are going to prevail and overcome Amen. and rebuild in the word. And if any of us say, I don't know how to read the Bible, I don't like to read, Christian Limley had the revelation for you. The revelation from God. The word from God. It's like, if you don't like salad, and nobody likes salad when they first try eating salad. Nobody. If you say you do, you're a liar. But if you eat it, you begin, your body begins to like it and crave it. And it's the same way with the Word of God. Of course our flesh does not like the Word of God because it is meant to crucify the flesh. So of course it doesn't. But if I begin to feed my spirit with it, then my spirit begins to get a little bit more healthy, a little bit more strong, and my spirit begins to speak up and say, I want a little more of that over there. I want a little bit less Netflix. And I want a little bit more Word. And I keep putting that in it, and I keep putting that in it. It's going to begin to be stronger. and Because Christian's full of revelation. I, I didn't know it, but he is. And so we were driving. I don't think he said it Sunday, but we were driving down the road. And he was talking, and he said, and, um, and if you don't, even, you, know, you don't even have to understand it when you read it. You, all you have to do is read it. Because then when you need it, it's going to come back up out of your spirit. So you don't even have to understand it. You just have to read it. And eventually, because when our spirits are so weak and anemic, they, they ain't paying attention to what you're reading. They just, but they're, they're getting it. They're getting it. They're getting some good out of it. But you begin to feed it enough, and it's going to begin to understand and translate to you what you're reading. And it's going to begin to, to be strong and push out flesh and push out sin. You can't. You can't stay the way you are when you are full of the Word. You are full of the Word. Full of the Word. Um, James Alateran also said, he, he said that the way you know someone's really anointed, when they're really anointed, it's because they have a very, he called it a very thin flesh barrier. That's what he called it. That they have allowed their spirit to grow so much and their flesh to become so weak that there's very little flesh in between the Holy Ghost inside of them and you. And so the Holy Ghost can come out real easy. Some of us have a hard time getting into the presence of God because I'm so thick in flesh 
and so little in spirit that it takes a long time to get him out of there. But the more I feed him, the bigger he gets. The more I starve my flesh, the weaker it gets until I can get to a point where I am just like, that's how I'm convinced. That's how Moses came down off that mountain. The reason his face was glowing, his flesh barrier was so thin and the glory of God so great inside of him that he could, it couldn't even contain the glory. We can absolutely, we can absolutely get there to that place where I have crucified my flesh, killed it so much. It's so thin. The glory of God is so big inside of me that it's easy for him to come and just spill out, just leak it out everywhere that I go on everybody that I come around. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Father, we give you praise tonight, God. I thank you for this ministry that you have brought us to and planted us in. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for a place that is still standing after 20 years, God. A ministry that they said from the very first day was going to fail, God. A ministry that is still standing after 20 years where people can come and experience the presence and the glory, and the anointing, and the breakthrough of God every single time that they come into this service, God. I thank you that there is a people here that have been faithful to that vision and faithful to that call, God, and have not let it go, God, and have made sure that every time anyone comes into Freedom Ministries that the anointing and the presence of God is always here, Father. I thank you, Jesus, for the prayer warriors. I thank you for the commitment, God, and I thank you for this new generation that is rising up to take their places, God. We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossing.com.